In other words, don't give up the habit of meeting together. And meeting is a habit. We, we have a habit. We form a habit. Sunday mornings, this is the story. My habit, um, and it's, I, I, I don't do it perfectly every time, but Sunday night, Saturday evenings, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to kind of be me, relax, do whatever I do. Because I want to prepare my heart for Sunday. And you might say, gee, that's a bit like super spiritual, bro. No, it's, it's, it's a habit that I've wanted to develop, to cultivate. Because come Sunday morning, I want to be not, you know, and I've watched, watched that thing, Jumanji. What's, somebody said, you know, I don't even know what it is, but it's a movie. Or you've watched, or you've sat up late, or you've done whatever. You've had friends, you can't sit up too late these days because you've got to be home by 10. But the point is, you, you want yourself kind of, I'm, I'm ready for Sunday morning. Amen? Okay, I'll try again. Okay, so that's, so I want to just speak into that a little bit. Okay? And then I'm going to take the psalm and you guys are going to do some work. Hallelujah. I'll amen that. I'll amen that. All right? I'm going to just Perhaps teach you is the wrong word. It's a little bit arrogant. I'm going to help you learn how to pray scripture. Because you know you sometimes get to pray and you think, oh, I prayed about that yesterday and the day before and the day before. Um, yeah, you are good. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have that? Or am I the only guy that does that? You look so spiritual and religious sitting there now. I mean, you know, just use poor man. So let's read Psalm 62. First line. My soul finds rest in God alone. My soul finds rest in God alone. In the ESV, you don't have to put it up. I'll just read it. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. But I like the NIV version. My soul finds rest in God alone. And the alone, he's speaking about, there's no one else. Your soul won't find rest anywhere else. It's only in God will, you, will your soul find rest. And when you're troubled and you've got challenges and there are issues, it's in God. No, nowhere else. Nowhere else. But this is the thing I want to speak to you about first is David writes the psalm. David's in a bit of trouble in the psalm. And so he's calling out to God and we won't have time to go through the whole thing. But he, he, he calls on God, says, this is what I do. And then he speaks into the situation that he's facing, that they want to bring him down. He says, a tottering fence and a wall, you know, that's going to fall. They just want to push me over. They want me out the way. But he says, my soul. And he, David speaks to himself. I remember when I was a kid, we used to say to people, the first sign of losing it is that you get hairs in the palm of your hand. That's the first sign that you're kind of losing it. And then the second size is looking for them. Because you say that to them guys, you know, <laughs> they have a look. I've got hair in the palm of <laughs> It's ridiculous. That's what we used to do. But he speaks to himself. Because in Ephesians 5, 19, Paul says this. He says, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Later versions say, speak to one another. But speak to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Take stuff from the word and speak it to yourself. Pray it into being. Speak to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Because my thoughts, yes, see, when I'm quiet, my, my thought, I think of, do you do that? I know some guys like Chris and that, you know, we, it takes a long time, that old diesel engine to get going with the thought patterns. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but we think, we, we, must, we must talk to ourselves more than we think to ourselves. We listen to ourselves. What do you speak to yourself when you just listen? 
And if you've been watching or reading or engaging in things that are not helpful by way of your spiritual life, those are the things that pop up when you start listening to yourself. And fear grips you. I'd, uh, and, and I'm not going to go on whether I'm pro or anti, but anyway, I've got a farmer friend from my youth in Grahamstown. He lives in Alexandria, the place where I was born. And this, the Eastern Cape farmers, they've got a nice way of speaking. They don't speak fast, you know. That's how they talk. So he phones me up. He says, listen here, Butman, I've been thinking of you, young. Are you okay, Swar? That's how they talk. So he says to I said to him, Des, are you all right? He said, look here, man, I'm not doing this vaccination thing, but it kills people, young. That's how he's talking. So I said, Des, how many people do you know that it's killed? He said, no, but I was talking, you know, to one of the ladies whose son lives in, and his his cousins, aunties, brothers, you know, whatever, and he died. I said, are you sure it's from the vaccination? Now, he's allowed that. He's listening to that. Now, he's so convinced that the vaccination's going to kill him, he won't have it. No, but that thing will kill you, young. <laughs> and that's what happens when we, when we don't align ourselves into the way that God wants us to be. We listen to whatever it is out there, or we read something, or you, I mean, you go to Dr. Google, he knows everything. Yeah, everything. And you listen to Dr. Google, and two guys in some odd little place have made a video, and they have found, they have found, they've got it. Who are these dudes? Who are they? Some random, sorry, Matthew, some random Americans usually. I, 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 you know, God forgive you, God forgive me. <laughs> but it's, you don't know them. They've, they've got this discovery. Oh boy. If you take this stuff. And so your thought patterns, that's, you listen to those things. And before you know it, you're listening to the wrong voices. So speak to yourself more than you listen to yourself. It's, you're not going mad if you speak to yourself. Who, who speaks to themselves? Yeah, you must. You must speak to yourself. If I'm in the traffic and some guy cuts me, I say, Jeffrey, behave yourself now, bro. <laughs> behave, behave. No hand signals. You've got an indicator. You, you, no hand signals to that guy. You, behave. I speak to myself. Because if I allow... <laughs> yeah... I won't go there. Our thought lives will not be consistent if we only listen to ourselves. We must speak to ourselves, his goodness, his values, his ways, and so on. Then our thoughts, the things we listen to, will be more consistent with what God wants. Can you say amen? Okay. Waking you up now. My life, here's my quote, my life is shaped by what I live for. My life is shaped by what I live for. Now, some of you might remember there's an old song. What am I living for if not for you? Who remembers that song? Three people. All right, it dates me. But it's a beautiful song. What am I living for? So I Christianize or Christianize the song. What am I living for if not for you? It's a love song. You know, and the guy says, what am I? No, I'm not going to sing to you. Please. <laughs> what, what I live for, my life is shaped by what I live for. What I believe determines how I behave. What I read or listen to determines what I speak to myself about. Your theology, your understanding, your life, in God must always lead you. All those things must lead you to an encounter with God. If my theology, the thing I believe, the thing I live for, the thing that monitors, controls me, if it doesn't lead me to have an encounter with God, I'm doing something wrong. Are you still with me? 
We must encounter him. Now, an encounter is not a walk into something like a wall, you know, and I'm on my back, I'm shaking. You can have those. But an encounter with God means I meet, I meet God. And he ministers to me. He speaks to me. And he helps my thought life. And he helps me think. He helps me speak to myself things that are going to benefit me and that will make me a man that God wants me to be. When your theology or your life in God has, so to speak, proven one of God's attributes, then that attribute, that, rea- that becomes a reality and you will not easily be persuaded to think otherwise. I'm not, I'm not just use you as an example, Elsa, if I may. God has shown you some stuff in the last 14 months that will live for you forever. Because God has proved himself to you through the circumstances and the challenges that you faced. So those attributes of God, his faithfulness all my life, you have been faithful. I saw you put that song. The faithfulness of God will never leave you because you've proved it through challenge, through difficulty, through experience. And when you speak to yourself, the first thing that will come, God is faithful. I don't understand it, but God is faithful. God is faithful. God is able. That's why he says, he says, he says, my soul finds rest in God alone. There's no other. Only in God. He speaks to himself. He speaks to himself. Psalm Psalm 42. I didn't even put that up. 42, verse 5 and verse 11. It says, he says, why are you downcast? He speaks, why are you downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. What's your problem, you ugly thing? Get your act together. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Then verse 6, he says, my my soul is downcast within me. In other words, I'm in the slough of despond. Woe is me. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. And then he says, my soul is downcast. Therefore, Therefore, because it's downcast, I'll remember you. I won't remember my difficulties and my challenges. I'll remember you, God. My hope is in you alone. I had a a word for you, Elsa. It's It's odd. But when you shared things, I've been praying that just, you know, for you because... I don't know you guys, you and Stephen very well, but I know you. And there's a there's a a program on TV about property, and it's the the the, the title of is it location, location, location. That's the title. And when um, Chris shared, and when you shared about the chess pieces in your dad taking forever, I can't play chess, so I do take forever. My grandkids say, no, Papa, you move there. Oh, okay, then. and then they take me. <laughs> check, Papa, check what? I'm checking you. Oh, all right. Well, when I move it back then, no, 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 I've got your piece. But location, location, location. I felt God say to me now this morning when you, when you mentioned what, um, you know, that, and that word and the word you'd got. I felt God say to me that, the location you go into is the ideal place for you to be in. The world thinks it's about location, like where I live and, you know, the view and the sea and we've got this big stoop and we overlook and we got... And God says, I don't want you to think like that, but the location I'm taking you to is the ideal place for you to learn and understand and grasp what, I've, what I'm sending you there for. So the location is perfect. Location, location, location. I don't know where you're going. Where, where are you going? Where are you going? In Kent. <laughs> what can I say? Kent's beautiful. And you, you will find, I, I felt God say, you'll find something, you'll find more of Him there than you have found here. Now, Bring it on. <laughs> so it's about location. All right. So if, 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 if I'm struggling 
and uh, for provision. I'm, I'm, I'm battling. I always tease people when we went into the ministry in 1987, I was so poor I couldn't even pay attention. <laughs> you know, that's poor. Eh? I mean, <laughs> this is a true story. My now son-in-law lives with my eldest daughter in, in, um, in uh, Amansom Toti. He used to come and visit because he was now, you know, making his presence felt there. And so he said to my daughter one day, I just want to get some juice out the fridge. And he opened the fridge and there was butter and milk and water in the fridge. So he kind of embarrassingly closed it again. And she said, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But God taught him something. He, he realized that although we didn't have a lot, we were still together as a family. We were trusting God. We, we believed. We, we didn't have a lot. But God is good. And God provides. People got saved one Sunday morning in the church and I invited all of them to our house for lunch. There were about seven of them. Just amazing Sunday morning. And my late wife said, who's going to feed them? We've got nothing. When we got home, there was packets on the, on the step of our house. People had brought chickens and rolls and juice and I made out as though this happens every week. You know. <laughs> come inside and come and eat. And my kids, yeah! <laughs> Because God provides. And God has taught me to trust Him with provision. Because I've had, I've had challenges in that area. That has been proved true to me by God. He's, uh, he, he's no man's debtor. He will provide. Whatever it is, His love, I lack. His faithfulness, His power, His grace, whatever. When He has proved that particular attribute to you, you've got it forever. It's not to say that we're not going to have a fight because I've got an ugly old enemy who doesn't like me very much and he doesn't like you much either. And he wants to come to steal, to rob and to destroy. So when God gives me something, the enemy says, no, let's just take that away. Then we'll see if he can trust God. You understand what I'm saying? But my hope, my soul finds rest in God alone. So, alone is a key word. Alone. I'm alone. I'm not lonely though. I live alone, but I'm not lonely. I've got kids in my complex. They keep on to make my little stoop their den. <laughs> All these little oaks, and then there's this meeting outside my front door. And they try, and now what are we going to do? Well, we get the girls, we'll, we'll try. And I sit and I open the guy. Guys, guys, this is your den again. Yes, uncle. What did I say about making your den here? We mustn't make it here. So, I'm sorry, uncle. And then they move two yards and then they've still got the den. So I'm not alone. I'm not lonely. So, God has, God has proved himself to me. He's, I read, I think it's in, what's the Psalm 68 this morning. God puts the lonely in families. That's why we've got a family. We shouldn't be lonely. God puts lonely in families. We're all part of it together. Alone. There's no rest for my soul outside of God. I won't find rest for my soul outside of God. Because He alone, He's the only one. Salvation. That's, hello uh, man. Um, is Acts 4.12. She's, um, as she's staring at you again now, losing it, dreaming. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name. God alone. That's what it means. Do you really believe that? You know, when you speak to somebody and they're such nice people and you think, surely God will just be like kind to, to them, you know. Shame, man. No, no one else. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, John 14, 6, and the life. No one comes, nobody comes to the Father except through me. God alone saves. It's an important word. It's an important word. And then he says this in, in the ESV. It says, it says um, for God alone my soul waits in silence. I've written down here. Wait is a key word. We don't wait well. 
Because we're into microwaving and God's into marinating. I want it all. And I want it now. Queen. You know the band Queen? You, is that a bit more modern? Queen? Queen? Yeah, okay. So you see, I do know some modern things. My hope is in Him. I wait. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. Those who wait, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I like this. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, hoping or waiting is the same root word. And hope means this, the positive expectation that God is going to fulfill what He promised. It's not, I'm just, yes, I hope it works. I'm going to try this, I hope it works. No, 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 no. Not in God. When you've got a hope in God, you must have a positive expectation that what He said He's going to do. It'll take time. <laughs> Elsa knows. But He's going to do it. I think I've told you the story, but I got saved in 1974 and God spoke to me. You're going to serve me. And I went to my wife then, my late wife, and I said, we're going to go into the ministry. And she said, we're not. <laughs> like kind of, you know, over my dead body. Because all she could see was we're going to go to a very traditional Bible college where they wear crimply in dresses and put you in buns. You know, so, so we decided we weren't going to get into bondage. I'm just, yeah, it's slow we waited 13 years and my hope grew weak just I was there then finally when God spoke to her she said we do it I said oh I'm not so sure now I mean it's like 13 years no no if God speaks God will do it I must I must have that hope not I just hope so or Habakkuk 2 3 for the revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. Wait. When God spoke to it, wait. We want to open now. No, just wait. We're like kids. When I was still at a proper job, I'd come home and uh, my, my wife would always say to my our four kids, you guys go play, Dad and I are going to have a cup of coffee and we're just going to talk. And they were, my boys, they just wanted to play. They couldn't wait half an hour. No, no, God, God. We've got to learn to wait. It awaits an appointed time. Though it linger, if it just takes a wait, wait. Don't be in a hurry. Wait. Don't, don't run ahead. <laughs> I also don't run ahead. Hebrews 6.12. We do not want you to become lazy. The writer to the Hebrews says, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Here's the problem. The charismatics have got all the faith, bro. We're in it. We're going to believe it. But we want it now. We've got faith. Hallelujah. And the old traditionalists have got all the patience but no faith. And so, I don't know, Jesus scratches his head and says to Michael and Gabriel, please go and help them. Faith and patience. Faith and patience, not one or the other, both. Faith through faith and patience. Now, when it doesn't happen, my faith wanes. It grows dim. Because it just seems to be taking so long. But I've got to stir myself. My hope is in God alone. My soul find rest, finds rest in God alone. Nowhere else. I've got to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you. You've spoken. I'm going to believe you. Can you say amen? amen? So with me. Hope. Waiting in hope or hoping in Him is established in my heart. I become strong and then I can do it again and again and again. And you know what? Sometimes God speaks and the next day He does it. And you forget about all the months and years you've waited for a specific thing because suddenly it does. You think, whoo, this... God's, I'm on it now. I've got it sussed. And then the next thing you wait again. God, God, God is not predictable. He does things in his, in his time, in His way. Because He knows what's best. Are you still? 
What's the time? When did I start? <laughs> you know, you know, you know what ministers say, and lastly, and then they lost. <laughs> you know, in a nutshell, and that thing just develops on and on. Okay, another five minutes. You still with me? Five minutes? Where are you? Alone. Verse two, alone. He says, he says, my salvation comes from him. He alone, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Man, I've been shaken. And I think, well, Davi, you write the psalm, bro. I'll never be shaken. What his meaning is, we, we might stumble, we might feel we're drowning, we might, we might even fall, but God will not allow us to just stay there. Now, he'll lift us up. I will not be shaken. I mean, when they prayed in Acts chapter 2, you know, or Acts chapter 4, I don't know which chapter it is, you remember it says, and the place where they were praying was shaken. Imagine us, we have a prayer meeting and suddenly the place starts shaking. We won't continue the prayer meeting, we'll run. Because you think there's an earthquake, we're out of here. But the place where they were praying doesn't say anything to them about leaving. They just had the presence of God. And they were forever established in knowing that if they pray, they'll get the presence of God. Amen? That's what God wants to do for us. That's how God wants to help us by fortress. If God is this for me, and He is, then I'll never be shaken. I, I won't be undone or ruined. I might be shocked. I might stumble. I might fall, but I won't sink. I'm going to actually stop there. I'm going to actually stop there. I love, I, you know how good that makes me feel. Oh, Shabbat. I feel so good now because people want you to go on. But now I want you, I want to teach you something now. My soul finds rest in God alone. He, he alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now, how do I pray that? How do I take scripture and pray it into being so that it becomes real for me? That's David's prayer. Let me just say this. He had enemies. Perhaps just one last point. I'll just go quickly to we had enemies. Enemies. Because this is, this is important. David had physical enemies. They wanted to take him down. Because I think there was jealousy. Um, because he was, he was quite a hot dude. Eh? David, you know, killed like, you know, Saul killed his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. I mean, I'm going to get a wife. What must I do? Go and get a hundred Philistine foreskins. I mean, so the Bible says. So he doesn't get a hundred, he gets two hundred. I mean, imagine my father-in-law saying to me, listen, if you want to marry him, you could. I mean, um, listen, my future dad, look, this is going to be quite a difficult task. <laughs> so David, David had physical enemies. But in our day, our enemies are not flesh and blood. I don't fight Candy because she put something on the group about, you know, the anointing is... You're too fat because you haven't got the anointing. And I thought to myself, thanks, eh? So I don't read that script, that version either. No, I'm joking. <laughs> our, our enemies, the things that, that play with our minds, that's, that's where our enemy is. It's in the mind. We, we imagine, we believe, we, we start trusting the things that are in our minds. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. It says that in Ephesians 6.12. Thank you, my uh, very efficient helper. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly. That's our fight. That's our fight. We, we are in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. Go to Ephesians 4, and then I'll, I'll finish up next. There's a struggle. Life's a challenge. Who finds life simple? I mean, you're a teacher. I mean, you work mornings, only get four letters a year, and you still find it difficult. <laughs> what a job. What a job, eh? 
I mean, there's guys that do, you know, construction. Up at, you know, whatever, before the sun comes, you know. And, and I'm joking. <laughs> I used to tease my mother-in-law. She used to get so cross. Mornings only fall it as he would a job. Paul is writing. Now remember, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And he's written that after this verse. When he says, I tell you this and insist on it. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity. Talk about sensitivity. Now the man's freezing. I said to Estian just now we should close the doors. So guys, close the doors. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rudy. James, I confine you back to the kids, bro. <laughs> Gate crashing. Okay, let him just finish that and then we'll carry on. The, the wonderful thing is that God doesn't leave now. Oh, we've broken the flow of the anointing now. What am I going to do? No, no, it's okay. It's okay. When he finally gets it right. Let me tell you a story. How, how, things, how, how things get darkened in you. Do you know, you young people, do you know what a stagecoach is in the Wild West? Westerns. Amy, do you know what a stagecoach is? Okay. Who doesn't know what a stagecoach is? Okay. So what happens in the old Wild West, sorry, Ames, I wasn't trying to embarrass you, but so they had um, a, 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 a cart, a, ho a horse and cart thing. It's called a stage coach. And they used to carry valuable stuff. So they'd, they'd like get gold and they'd put it in the stage coach and then they'd say that you take it from this town to that town. And they've got a guy who drives the horses. He rides it. And then they've got a guy who rides with him and he is... He's called, he's riding shotgun. He is going to protect the valuables. So these two, off they go. And the guy riding the horses is very nervous and he says to the guy with the shotgun, he says, do you see anything? Because they're afraid the Indians are going to come and attack them. So he stands up and he has a look. And he says, I see dust in the far distance coming behind us. You know the story, don't you? <laughs> he used to be in the bay. He knows all my stories. Stop laughing before the event. It just takes away the power of the thing. <laughs> so he sees dust. And, he, and, and the guy driving, he says, what do you see? He said, oh, no, it's just dust. It's just... So half an hour later, he says, look again. And the guy looks. And he, he said, no, I can see. They, they, they're coming. And the driver of the coach says... How big are they? And the guy riding shotgun says, no, they're miles away. They're, they're only this big. So they're, they're miles, they're only this big. Half an hour later. I could make the story very long. <laughs> what do you see? He said, no, they're gaining. How big are they? They're this big. And so the story goes, they're this big. Then they're this big. Then they're this big. Then they're here. And then the guy riding says, how close are they? He says, I can see the whites of their eyes. And one of them is climbing onto the coach. And the driver says, well, shoot him. Shoot him. And he's got the gun and he's trying. And he says, shoot him. He says, I can't. He said, why? He said, because I've known him since he was this big. <laughs> That's sin. That's what sin does. It's this big. It's not, it's not, it doesn't affect us. It's there, it's this big. It gets bigger. And eventually it's climbing on to your valuables that God has put in you and you can't shoot it because you know it too well. That's what Paul says. And there's a couple of words. Let me just finish with these words. Darkened in your understanding. So when I get darkened in my understanding, it leads me to being separated from the life of God. Now separated doesn't mean I'm, I'm, 
I'm separated in the sense that God said, well, I'm sick of you out here. I'm, I'm separated because the Bible says sin separates me from God. God doesn't separate himself. I separate myself from God because I'm a little bit embarrassed by some of the things. I've a hardening of my heart. I'm separated from the life of God. And that leads to ignorance. I'm just ignorant about what God's trying to say, which comes from the hardening of my heart. I harden my heart. Then when elders, leaders, com leaders talk to you, you've got this hardening of your heart. And you don't receive it well. You think, you know, who are you talking to me? And then he says this, they've lost all sensitivity. Wow. That's, that's, that's a terrible place to be. When you know you've done wrong and somebody speaks to you and you, you're not even sensitive to what that person is trying to help you out of. You've lost all sensitivity. Now I know the context is a little bit different. He's speaking about the Gentiles and how they were, but that's what happens. And we can laugh, you know. I've known him since he was this big. But that's what happens. And I said to you, David's enemies we're physically and ours are spiritual. We fight spiritual battles. And in these times, we harbor things. Maybe somebody says something that hurts me or offends me, and I hold it. Then what happens? My understanding gets darkened. I feel separated. I feel, it's not true, but I feel that people are like now against me. And so my heart gets hardened and I lose sensitivity to what God wants to say to me. The devil is skeleton. Maybe it's guilt about something. And you just, you don't want to, you don't want to speak about what you've done. You feel guilty, but you don't know how to, you know what to do. Maybe it's fear. Because my kids live in KZN. You've got family in KZN. They say that is the worst bloodshed that's been in our nation for something like a hundred and something years that week, KZN. Got a friend who lives in Maritzburg. Said they burst into Macro and they Macro's got a big boo section. They found six guys the next day lying outside that died of hypothermia. They drank themselves into oblivion. It was freezing cold, they died. I mean, how does that? And so fear grips me. I'm, we're gonna leave. I'm, I'm, we, we, I know Elsa's not going because of that. <laughs> Sorry Elsa. But you know what I'm saying? Fear grips you. you. You feel, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? Jealousy. Get jealous because somebody gets what you thought you could have had. Get jealous. Jealousy hardens your heart. Or rejection. I've tried so hard to get in, but I just don't feel like I'm, and ugh, they just reject me. It's my lot in life, it's gonna be me forever. No, it's a lie. No, no, this, this family doesn't reject, it accepts. But because I have a bias in that area, everything that happens, I feel, oh, that's, that's, there they go again, there they go again. Rejection. Or loneliness. Nobody cares about me. I'm lonely. Listen, I have times of loneliness. Now, today is my late wife's birthday. Today. Now, 47 years of marriage, it's kind of a long time. You don't just think, oh, well, you know, it's another old day. It's not another old day. But if I allow myself to be taken down that path, I lose the sensitivity that I feel God wants to keep me awake to.
No, 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 no. My soul finds rest in God alone. I'm not phoning people. Poor me, I'm lonely. No, God, here I am. I know you for me. And you know, God does miracles out of that. Then somebody phones me, says, what are you doing for lunch? Nothing. When can I come? That's God. So I haven't got a lunch date. I'm just putting it on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Those are the things we fight. Maybe some of you have been gripped by that. It robs you. It just robs you of all your joy. All your life. The joy of the Lord's my strength. And when I've been robbed of joy, I'm weak. I'm vulnerable. And the devil knows. The devil knows. So he speaks to your mind. And as I said in the beginning, it's, you know, we, we don't talk to ourselves enough. What did I say? We listen to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves. God wants to teach us how to pray. I'm going to just use these two verses. Pray scripture. You pray scripture. So when I take the Bible and I read the psalm and Haman's following my weird way of reading through the psalms, then I start, I pray like this. So you just, perhaps you just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Father, I pray that what I've said this morning will carry weight. It will hit us in our inner beings. And Lord, if there are people that are carrying things that are hindering their walk with you and they are losing, they feel I'm losing sensitivity to the voice. And when I read the word, it, it kind of feels a bit dead. Holy Spirit, I pray, won't you break in? Won't you break in and just speak to those hearts now? And as I pray these scriptures, I pray, Lord, because it's your word and because your word is living and active, because your word is like a double-edged sword and it cuts deep and we get afraid of that, Lord, I, I rebuke that fear that comes over people. Think, oh, I don't want that. No, Lord, we do. We need that. We need that. Won't you speak to our hearts? So I'm going to pray. Just stay with me. So when I read this, I read this and I say, oh, my Lord, I'm so glad that you saved my soul. I'm so glad for that day, Lord. And we sang it this morning. I remember that day when you spoke to me and I committed my life to you. And Lord, through my life's experiences, I found that there's no other place for my soul to find rest except in you. And I'm so grateful to you, Lord, that you form me. I'm so grateful you're available to me at any time of the day or in the early hours of the morning, Lord, when I feel the restlessness and I'm awake and I'm panicking and I'm worrying. Thank you that I can come to you because you say to me, my soul will find rest in you. And Lord, I just, I give myself again to you this morning. I give myself, Lord, to you. You alone Lord, we sing that song, you alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone, Lord Jesus, can lift me out of the grave, that grave of despair and discouragement. Thank you so much that you for me. And I thank you, Lord, my salvation comes from you, from nowhere else. Lord, your word says to me, and we read it this morning again, salvation is found in no one else but in you. Lord, you're my rock. Hallelujah. You're my rock. You alone, Lord, the psalmist says, you alone, Lord, are my rock. Thank you that you've taught me, Lord, in your word, not to build on sand. The wise man built his house on a rock. And it took longer. And it was more effort. But it was more secure. And I thank you that I'm secure today. Because you've taught me to build on you, Lord, the rock. And I thank you, Jesus, so much that you're my salvation. You've rescued me. You've rescued me, Lord. We prayed it this morning before the meeting. You took me out of darkness and you brought me into your marvelous light. You're my fortress, Lord. A fortress, Lord. I picture in my mind a fortress in those old days when the men were holed up in their fortress and they were secure and they could, 
they could attack the enemy. And the enemy couldn't get to them because the fortress was so designed that those inside were far more secure than those outside. Thank you, Lord. I'm in you and you're in me. You're my fortress, Lord. Thank you that I can pot off the enemy one shot at a time as they come against me. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, because of that, I'll never be shaken. Lord, I acknowledge that there are times when I feel vulnerable and I feel a bit weak. But I remember, Lord, you're my fortress. You're my rock. You're my salvation. I'm so grateful to you. Won't you speak to my heart again, Lord? Cement that in, Lord, so that I know that I know that I know. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say you pray scripture. And if you read a psalm, just think if you read Psalm 119. You're going to take a week to pray through that. Haman said to me, what do you do when you get to Psalm 117? It's got three lines. And Psalm 119, I said, some days are longer than others. <laughs> pray scripture. Take the word and pray it back to God. If you've got anything to pray, just take the word. Pray it back to God. And take things that settle your soul. Amen. So I want to pray for people who have struggled. Fear. Insecurity. Unforgiveness. In my years in the ministry, unforgiveness stands, I reckon, at 90% of people's problems. Something happened or something didn't happen and they've taken an offense. I mean, don't carry a grudge, eh? Because it's heavy. <laughs> you know, we say we carry a grudge. A grudge is a place where you park your car in the town of Dispatch near Port Elizabeth. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but don't, don't carry grudges. Don't, don't carry grudges. Let it go. Let it go. So I want us, if, if you feel like that, maybe I'm going to be very brave. Just say, oh, look, pray for me. Just stand where you are and say, that's me. I want you to pray. Maybe you've just, you've felt your sensitivity to the Spirit is just not what it should be. Through circumstances, we all have it. We all have it. I'm standing in front and I'm the man saying it, but I suffer. I'm not immune. I'm the man of God. I still eat. I still go to the loo. I still brush my teeth. I still wake up in the middle of the night worrying about things. And then Ross will phone, you know. Are you sleeping? No, I'm joking. <laughs> People phone me at two o'clock in the morning. Are you sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were praying. No, I'm sleeping. It's two o'clock. If, you, if you're carrying things, come on. Be, be broad. I'm standing. Come stand with me. And we just pray. We break those things. Where you are, just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. And you can't, you can't, you can't stand like this. No, 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 I'm not looking at you, sister. It's cold. Don't stand with your arms folded and say to God, okay, see what you can do. Okay? Just put your arms in front of you as a kind of a sign of surrender. Lord, here I am. I'm before you. It's not before Jeff because he preached or whatever. It's before you. So close your eyes. Lock into him. Hands out of pockets, Rudy. Thank you, bro. I know it's cold. But let's just let him come. So, Lord, we acknowledge your presence. Oh. Lord, we acknowledge without you, I acknowledge I can do nothing. I'm an absolute useless individual without you. I'm useless, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. But your word says, Lord, with you, I can do all things. So I want to, I want that to be my portion. I'm going to speak those words into my life. With you, I can do all things. So Holy Spirit, these that have stood, you know everyone's situation. I release now, Lord, your touch on these people. I release, Lord, dare I say it, your anointing 
which breaks the yoke and sets people free. I release your power, the power of your presence that ministers into people's hearts. I want you to switch off your transmitters and turn on your receivers. Don't talk now. Just receive. Just receive. Receive. Close your eyes. Just let him speak to you. Let him speak to you. And Lord, I pray, I pray, we will make you our rock. Remember, you're our fortress. You're our strong tower, Lord. Your word says the righteous run to that tower and they're safe. I break off every effort that the enemy has tried to rob us of our relationship, our walk with you. I break that thing's power now. Take it off. Take it off. Your word says, Lord, we must clothe ourselves, which by implication means we take off the old clothing and we put on the new clothing of righteousness and peace and joy. Do it now, Lord. Do it now, Lord. Break in. Break in. Break in. Break in. Take authority, Lord, over these things that hold us back. We break their power. They have no right. They're trespassing, Lord. They have no right. We break it. Let it go. Let it go. Give it to God. Say, Lord, here it is. I'm giving it to you. I don't want this thing to hinder me anymore. No more. It's done. It's over. And Lord, I pray that all of us, our souls, will find rest in you alone. Forgive us for looking in other places to try and find rest. It's for you alone. So we pray, Jesus, be honored, be glorified in our lives and through our lives by the power of your spirit living in us. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Bless you.